Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome back to the No Ratings Podcast. It's a slightly different one for you today. We're going to be doing a Chelsea crisis intervention. We're going to have three Chelsea fans on from actually three different countries who are going to talk about Chelsea's situation from their perspective. And hopefully each one has a different sort of perspective. The idea here being we need to figure out what's going wrong at Chelsea and how it's going to get fixed and whether it's going to get fixed and what that fix may be. If this is something you want to see going forward, then make sure you drop a like on the pod and follow the podcast at No Rains Pod across social media. Chelsea are currently 11th in the Premier League, 12 points off relegation, 13 points off fifth place Spurs, and they've just lost 4-2 to Wolves and 4-1 to Liverpool. Pochettino's job is under pressure. They've spent a billion pounds. A lot is going on at Chelsea Football Club. So there's only one place to start. Let's start, hopefully, with a man that's usually very reasonable. We'll start with Samit. He is someone that we've had on a podcast before. He speaks very well and won't be get Poch out immediately. Uh, the man I'm about to bring on now, I'm pretty sure the last time me and Samit had a conversation on the podcast, you were pretty okay with Pochettino. You were like, this could work, things could change. I I still believe in Pochettino. Um, first thing I want to ask you, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. Uh, football stuff aside, life's going great. Um, in football, could not be worse at the moment, considering Chelsea's results. <laughs> but, uh, you know, one day at a time, we'll get through it. Let's let's get straight into this. This is the therapy session. This is the crisis intervention of Chelsea Football Club. Um, before we get into the nitty gritty, generally speaking, where is your head at with Chelsea? Yeah, uh, generally speaking, I mean, you touched on it. The last time I was here, I was sort of potch in, I guess you could say. I was. Um, I, I remember saying that I'm never a guy to um, scream that you know, let's fire the coach, let's fire the manager, sack the manager, all this sort of stuff. That being said. <laughs> Since the last time I've been on here, I've not seen the improvement I needed to see from from the team. So in just general, I mean, it's a very disappointing time to be a Chelsea fan right now. Um, and, and I would still say that I'm probably more optimistic than most in the sense that uh, I can see things getting better, but a lot needs to change for that to happen. So that's sort of my um, uh, stance on the club at the moment. <laughs> um, 
what's what's changed your mind from our last conversation if you haven't listened to that previous episode go and listen to it after this one because it is literally chalk and cheese like you're you're a reasonable guy man like you're you're a very well-spoken chilled out fella i don't <laughs> expect you to sit on here and scream that spot you gotta go but i remember you really fought his case to stay so what's yeah. changed so uh, there's five main points that i think is why we need to change from the manager the first one is a lack of identity in the team. I don't know what I'm seeing every week. From week to week, it's a different team. It's a different formation, different tactics. I'm not a big fan of that. Number two is there's basically zero effort from Pochettino to connect with the fans. That's something I really rate as as a fan. I like knowing that... Um, I like being proud of my manager. And the way that Liverpool fans say, Klopp is my manager. I'm proud that Klopp is my <laughs> manager. I can't say that about Pochettino. I just don't feel that connection with them. So that's number two. Three is, I understand we've had a lot of injuries, but sometimes his team selection is just, like 99% of Chelsea fans would tell you that he needs to do this and not this. And for some reason, he'll play this player at right back and this player in midfield. And I just don't agree with that. Four is, we're now in February. He took over the job in July. And I think two players have gotten better that were here the last season. A lot of players have gotten worse. Enzo has gotten worse. Badia Shula has gotten worse. Very few players have made development. And that was one of the reasons he was brought in. Because, you know, we saw what he did at Spurs with Ericsson and Kane and Son, Deli Ali, And that was sort of the promise that we were given that, okay, we may not, you know, win the league or the Champions League or anything, but he'll develop the players. I understand it's been half a season, but I would expect a little more development than we've seen. The last thing is sort of, not that he can really control it, but when... We initially hired Pochettino. I was not, he was not my first choice whatsoever, but we were told that he was the safe option as opposed to like a Ruben Amarim of Sporting or like a slot of Firenord. We were told that Pochettino is the safe option and he's going to help us right the ship, stay one and a half, two years, and then we'll go get an elite world class manager. That has not happened either. It's been far from safe. We're, you know, in the same position we were last year, we're 10th in February, 11th, actually, I think, if I look at the table now. Um, and that is a concern for me. So those five reasons are why I've sort of changed from I'll give him more time to I don't see this getting any better. Because those five things, apart from team selection, now that the injuries have sort of gotten better, I don't see him improving in any of the other four categories. And that's why I'm sort of leaning now towards, you know, thank you for the six months, but it's time to time to go. <laughs> It's so interesting because like the five reasons you've given, I obviously want to sit here and counter them for the purpose yeah. of conversation. Uh, when I look at improvements in players, I think there's a, there is a concern there that I don't, I'm not. I'm personally not convinced when I watch this team that certain players have improved. I can completely hear that. But is there potentially an argument there that because you've got a big uh, group of players, lots of players on who arrived at a very high fee? That to match all that together, comparing it to his time at Spurs, where he was given a team of players that weren't really like weren't expensive players, he's now been given like the complete opposite. So to deal with that and expect the same outcome as Spurs, maybe is a bit unfair. Yeah, that's that is a good point. It's something that a lot of I I would say rival fans have brought up in the sense that we've put together the team without having the identity first. So we're sort of trying to develop the identity on the fly, and that's a very difficult proposition for a manager whereas at Spurs and even when he was at Southampton it was like he took over and then he brought in the players and then he was able to develop the team 
So that, that, that is a good point. I do understand that, that he's sort of been given, I don't want to say poison chalice, but he did have a tough job. Um, for me, the main thing is I would be okay with like, I understand someone like Mudrick, very raw, very underdeveloped. I don't expect him to turn into 20 goals a season overnight. But there are players like Enzo who are good players. And I saw what he did under Graham Potter, who, you know, his reputation these days in the game is not as good as it was. And he's doing things with Enzo that I just don't understand why he would in the sense that we're seeing Enzo pop up on the left wing, right behind the striker as a 10, right on the right wing. It's like he's a very deep midfielder and he's not very fast, which is one of the reasons why we bought Caicedo to sort of make up for that lack of athleticism. And he's playing Enzo as like a, you know, box-to-box like Bellingham type 8, like where he's running up and down. I'm like, that's not his game. That's not going to help his development. So I understand in the sense that as a team, not everyone can be developed overnight, but there are individual players where I feel just playing them in a certain position and putting certain players around them and setting the team up in a certain way would help their development. And these are very basic things. I feel like I'm not asking like, you know, him to move mountains or anything. It's, it's very small uh, things that I wish he would do. And that would help me, you know, get back on his side if he if he did that. I have just looked at the form because I, I just in my head for a second, I thought, hold on a minute. I feel like you're on a good run before the Liverpool game, which technically speaking, you were, but there is context to be added. It was Crystal Palace, Luton and Fulham, which actually mirrors Manchester United's quote-unquote good form when they beat Everton, Fulham and Luton. And then they people then it changed. Um, so maybe I've answered the question myself anyway. But there has been moments where like you've gone, oh, maybe there is something there. Um, if I look at the Wolves game, I mean, two of the goals were deflected, but Wolves were brilliant. But I think Wolves are actually quite underrated. Um, but looking at that, like, do you go, we were maybe unlucky against Wolves. We were always going to lose to Liverpool. Um, and we play Palace, City, Brentford, Newcastle, Arsenal next. Like, How much longer are you willing to wait? Yeah, so my, my thing is, the, the Liverpool result is interesting to me because that is a game. I, I knew from August we were losing that game. Like Our, our record <laughs> at Anfield is actually somewhat good over the last few years. But if you look at the context, like we won in 2020-2021. Your team was decimated, and it was no fans. Completely different game. The following year, it was the second game of the season. We had we were just coming off the back of a Champions League win. It was 1-1. That's, you know, a draw was probably fair. We had a good team at the time. The following year, it was 0-0. Both teams at that point were sort of struggling. This year, you guys are flying high. I knew that was going to be a loss. And I didn't. I don't understand the reaction from Chelsea fans after the game where they were saying, you know, like, there's a lot of anger. And I was like, you guys thought we were going to win this game? Like, like <laughs> this is right after, I think, Klopp announced that he's leaving i'm like the emotion is all there like we're not winning this game i understand you know four goals is a lot but um and and like you said the run was so that that game i was you know i was reserved with losing the run is sort of a false image in the sense that we haven't played that many good teams the one thing i will say is that we had sort of a similar one last year with graham potter i look at the fixtures we have coming up and it's yeah villa this week you know on the road or away game, you know, that's, to me, going to be a loss. And that could be the nail in the coffin for, for, for Pochettino. Really? You think that's, that that could be the one where it's over? Yeah, I think so, because I, I'm sure this is the same with other clubs, but every time a game finishes, immediately you have the tweets come out from the official account, the press conference, the news, all that sort of stuff. Yesterday, there was a big delay between the final whistle and the initial press conference. Pochettino was really late. And the official account didn't tweet anything for a long time. 
So my under my guess is there were some talks going on. The same thing happened right before Graham Potter got sacked. There was a big gap between social media um, mm-hmm. uh, posts. So I think there was some talks. I would not be surprised if we lost in an embar- in an embarrassing fashion to Villa if they pulled the trigger. Um, there were some reports yesterday from some pretty reliable uh, in the nose that uh, um, uh, what did it say that they're not looking. If they were to sack Poch, it wouldn't be an interim manager. It would be like they would they would go hire a free okay. agent. So like Hansi Flick, Mourinho, something like that. So the fact that that news is coming out tells me that he's on very thin ice. And a key part is that uh, a lot of people point to Todd Bowley as like the main owner of Chelsea because he's sort of the figurehead. He actually has a minority stake in the club. There's a guy that not many people may know, Bedad Ekbali. He is actually the majority shareholder. And he's more similar to Roman in the sense that he's very, like, trigger-happy. He was the one that pushed mm-hmm. for Mudrik and Enzo when we probably didn't need to spend that much money on either of those players. And I think the reports came out that he is the one that's not in Pochettino's corner and that Bully is in Pochettino's corner. Do, do you... Is there a point where you maybe say, let's discount this season? We're not getting relegated. We're probably not going to make Champions League because the distances are quite far away. But we give Pochettino till the end of the season and see where we're at. If at the end of the season, the identity is still flawed in the way you're saying, and we're still not quite there, then look, it's time for you to go. Um, because Hansi Flick's not going anywhere. Jose Mourinho's not going anywhere. Nagels was not going anywhere. There's plenty of managers out there and Chelsea will always be able to attract the manager. Is it fair to say, just give him a bit, a bit of extra time because actually nothing drastic is happening this season anyway? Yeah, so that, the, 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 the thing you just said, that's the exact thing I said last year about Graham Potter in the sense that I knew we weren't going to get relegated, but I felt that he had been given 50 players to play, to, to 11 spots, you know, 50 players to pick. And I was like, let's just give him the season, give him the preseason, get back. Obviously, he got sacked. The thing with Pochettino is we actually really need to be in Europe this year because of FFP rules. We really need the, the additional money. If we don't get Europe either by finishing 7th, 8th, or winning the League Cup, which I don't think we will. If we don't get that, we're going to have to sell a lot more players than I think we initially planned for. I think at the moment, we can probably raise about $100 million in sales through Broja and Gallagher and Lewis Hall and Chalaba. And if sacking Poch and hiring Hansi Flick meant we finished 7th, is that something we need to do because financially we just don't have any other choice? I think that's something... I mean, I wouldn't know what our finances are like you know, to, to the exact figure because I'm not, you know. So that's something I guess ownership needs to to handle. Um, but yeah, I, I like the sentiment of giving him the season. And I wish I could say that I'm on board with that. But I just, I don't know if, if we're in a position to be able to, like, can we afford that as a club? Yeah, and just the patience of Chelsea fans looking from the outside. Yeah. It's just something that you've never done as a club. Right, like you're so used to success on a conveyor belt at times, um, that waiting for a guy who feels like he's definitely going to be unsuccessful feels uh, maybe out of pocket for fans. Yeah, potentially, it's, it's weird because online you can see that the sent the resentment for Pochettino has never been higher, but they're not like singing like sack his name and this and that and yeah. you know. So I don't know if what the sentiment is of the fans who go every week. Um, but yeah, it, it is sort of the Chelsea way to not give time. 
Um, so I don't know if if the ownership change changes that, if the fan sentiment has changed. But the hostility, I think, could honestly be worse. So going by that metric, they might just give them time because they don't feel that it's gotten to the point of no return yet. Um, and that's something they have to consider. Um, the big thing for me is just, and, and this is why actually I think he won't get sacked unless something drastic happens. It's because the two directors that do everything at Chelsea are Lawrence Stewart and Paul Wynn Stanley. They were the ones who, fi- who, who made the decision to fire Graham Potter. They spent five months to picking a new manager and they settled on Pochettino, right? If they now go to their bosses and say, we messed up, how does that look on them? That they spent five months hiring a manager and you're going to fire him eight months into the new season. That looks really bad on them and they're probably going to lose their jobs too. So if they don't make that decision, I think they keep their jobs and they're safe. So I think that's something to consider that if we do this thing, we might have to blow up the whole thing in that... Poch goes, Stewart goes, and Win Stanley also goes. Because keeping one of them or two of them or all three of them, it's like you're sort of content with what happened. And I don't think that's acceptable at a club like Chelsea to say, you spent all this resources, all this money, and your job is safe after messing up twice with two managerial appointments. I don't know if that's something we can we can, you know, accept as Chelsea fans. Yeah, that's a really interesting angle to be fair. It's not something I thought of. Obviously, I'm not in the know with Chelsea the same way you are. Um it does make an interesting debate then about the hierarchy and how everything runs. Also, you mentioned earlier that Todd Bowley is in Poch's corner potentially, um, whereas some part of the owners are not. And I think there's also that, that issue as well. Like you've got half a trigger happy boardroom and half a not trigger. Like what's going to happen there? Um, final question. What is the fix? The fix, I made a big thread yesterday on Twitter about this. I think the fix is, and this is something I sort of have changed my mentality as I've gotten older and I've watched more and more games and more and more sports is I think a lot of things in sports boils down to just mentality who wants it more and I think that's a very like old school take but the more I watch sports I'm like that probably is true that at the top level the gap separating the players I remember this is a quote that Stephen Jarge said a long time ago he said the 90th minute 85th minute everyone's tired everyone is tired yeah. the difference is some players have that that click in their brain that Gerard had that I don't care that I'm tired I'm going to push forward that sort of mentality obviously that's a player I think the next manager we hire has to have that sort of mentality in the sense that they have to know what it takes to win because the new owner when the new owners came in they gutted everyone from top to bottom so there is honestly at the entire club there's four club members left that have won something at Chelsea. That's Reese James, Ben Chilwell. It's five, actually. Reese James, Ben Chilwell, Thiago Silva, Trevor Chalba, and one youth team scout, Neil Bath. He's been there since, like, 2001. Everyone else, physios, chefs, directors, owners, everyone is new. Nobody knows what it takes to win. The fix, in my opinion, is if you're going to blow up the project, you have to hire directors and managers who know what it takes to win. We hired a sporting director from Brighton. I understand he was promising and he found all these gems, but he doesn't come from a culture of winning. We need to hire directors that are coming from a culture of winning, like a Bayern Munich or a Madrid or a Barcelona or something like that. The manager as well. Inzaghi has been mentioned. Somebody who comes from a history of winning. Hansi Flick, sextuple in one year. Even Mourinho, whose reputation these days is not what it once was. He still knows what it means to win and he's won at Chelsea. 
that to me is the only fix available is that the mentality of the club needs to change. I feel that we've become really, really complacent in the sense that our standards have dropped. You need someone to come in like we did when Tuchel came in that raised the bar immediately. The minute he stepped foot into Cobham, the bar was raised. That's what I think the fix is. Easier said than done, obviously, but that to me is the is the only way out of this. Boy, there's a lot of work to be done then. <laughs> um, yeah. Mate, thank you very much as always. Lovely to chat to you. Albeit this is more of a therapy session for you. Um, I'm sure we'll have plenty more times of doing this during the season. Uh, but as I say, thank you very much for hopping in. Of course. Thank you so much for having me on, man. Fun as always. As I said earlier, there are Chelsea fans across the globe. Uh, so we've touched down with a friend of mine in India. We have been trying to make something happen for a couple of years. And now, by some chance, not only do we share a birthday one day apart, <laughs> uh, we also have managed to do two pieces of content in the space of a week. He goes by the name of Drogbaba Online. Uh, firstly, how are you, bro? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm flying, bro. Like, uh, this birthday was really special. Uh, belated happy birthday to us. <laughs> yeah. uh, got an opportunity to visit Qatar. Was brilliant. Everything was going well. And then Chelsea got smashed by Wolves. So, <laughs> it's been mixed. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, we have a lot to discuss about Chelsea. Uh, and we did not get a chance to speak after the Liverpool game as well. <laughs> we did a preview for that. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> Yeah, thank God we're not uh, we're not going to be talking about that game. Um, as you said, Chelsea is the reason you're here. Before I ask you any intricate questions, um, where are you at the moment in your head with Chelsea as a club? Mm-hmm. Uh, as the great Mr. Didier Drogba, my all-time favourite footballer, once said, I don't recognise my club anymore. So <sighs> that's it for me as well. I, I don't recognise this club. Uh Subpar recruitment for jobs that people don't really understand. Owners have come in, don't really know a lot about the sport. The man who guided the club through a tumultuous period when the club was getting sold, the sanctions were being imposed on the club. Thomas Tuchel won a lot of stuff for us in a very short span of time. You sack him, get him a guy who you think is going to do great, don't work in sync with him, get like 75 players you sign in a span in a span of 18 months does not really work out for you you have this policy of not getting your uh, experienced players uh 40 year old thiago silva is your best player which says a lot about the current crop of players uh so yeah i don't know bro where to begin uh, like obviously this conversation will be uh, pochettino will be the focal point of this but i think the problems stem down way deeper than that the actually the main problem is the culture at the club right now the new ownership have come in try to change too many things too quickly without understanding the nitty-gritties of football or the club how chelsea works what chelsea means for the fans what chelsea has been as a club in the last 20 years and yeah they have to try uh, try to do their own stuff and have failed miserably in my opinion in terms of that point about the owners obviously the owners have changed spent a lot of money many signings haven't worked we'll talk about that as well um you talk about identity, which I find really interesting with Chelsea fans. Over the last 20 years, what would you say has been your identity and what do you think the owners are now trying to do? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I think, uh, l- l- let's be honest, like, uh, we became a serious club mainly because of the Abramovich money. Uh, we cannot deny that. Like, we were a fashionable club. We come from a fashionable part of London. And we were quite competitive in terms of, you know, winning a cup here, qualifying for the Champions League spot here and there with yeah. all those Hullets, Vialis, uh, player-manager era that we had in the late 90s <laughs> and all of those stuff. Then Renieri came in, did a pretty good job. But it was Abramovich's money. Like, I think Abramovich is the guy who, because of whom, FFP got introduced in football, right? He, yeah. he came into the picture and changed the whole landscape. Like, you can make a half-decent team into a champion team by just, you know, giving that influx, that injection of money if you put in. So Chelsea uh, were a symbol of that, uh, but Chelsea were also a symbol of uh, the owners being uh, no-nonsense, iron-fist kind of administrators. Like, they would do whatever they want and they everything has to be done on their terms. Uh, no manager, how, uh, no matter how good uh, a manager you are or how good your record has been, if you don't deliver at Chelsea, you'll get the sack. Uh, case yeah. in point, Mr. Carlo Ancelotti, I was gutted when he was sacked in the tunnel. Uh, when we finished second in the league and on the last mm. uh, match day of the Premier League, he was sacked. Uh, the year before, he had won us the FA Cup and uh, the Premier League. But the standards were so high. I'm not saying the mistakes were not made in the first regime. But we knew that this model works for us. Uh, we will always attract the elite players, elite managers. And... Somehow we will keep on winning stuff. And the 2021 Champions League triumph was an example of that. That Chelsea will always remain a serious club. Maybe uh, the stability won't be there in terms of manager being able to work for more than two years or three years. You won't see a project in Chelsea. But what you'll see is a lot of trophies. A lot of players coming in and going in. Uh, If a a signing fails, doesn't matter. Go out again. Uh, Send that player on loan. Get another player. If he doesn't work, rinse and repeat. And somehow, you were able to, you know, maintain a good team who used to win stuff. Mm. But now, I think it's all about the marketing. It's all about, you know, straight profits. This word, straight profit. I've heard it so many times in the last 18 months. I think the moment 
we get a decent bid for Reese James. By decent, I mean anything in excess of 50 to 60 million. These owners will jump at a chance to sell him because they are so focused on just getting the players, uh, players who they think are right for the project right now instead of working in tandem with the manager who knows his stuff. And then they have got people for recruitment from clubs like Salzburg and Brighton. So you'll get recruitment like Salzburg and Brighton, Paul Wynn, Stanley and Lawrence too. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are, you know, looking down the barrel and I just fear that we might become irrelevant if this continues for another two seasons. I mean, yeah, I, I do ha- I have a fear. I, I mean, I'm on both ends here. I think Chelsea have enough financial power to continue to financially keep going in a direction where you stay relevant per se. Um, but I also think on the flip side, Chelsea as a club competing for trophies and the best players, that part could become irrelevant. And that's, I think, the worry for you guys. Um, with the ownership aside, on the pitch, you haven't been great. As I mentioned, there, this has been an ongoing conversation about Pochettino. Uh, you said at the start that there's deeper issues than just Pochettino. Do you think... You said also that Chelsea have previously cr- uh, papered over the cracks with good managers... Um, and won trophies. Do you think by replacing Pochettino, I'm going to give you an example I think you're not going to like, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. <laughs> Do you think Jose Mourinho till the end of the season will change the feeling at the club and get you to the end and hope for the best and might get you a Champions League spot or something like that to make the feeling improve before you reevaluate and go again next season? That is exactly what I spoke in my review <laughs> last night that uh, you get Mourinho there are no players who are going to come in the winter transfer window is done and if he's an interim manager he won't care who players are going to leave in the summer if he takes the first training session and if he thinks Malang Sar is a player that he needs to uh, include in his 11 he must do that because he will have a clear picture I have these players I don't care if Mudrik is not happy, I don't care if Nicholas Jackson does not feature in my 11. My job is to stabilize this season, get some uh, semblance of respect. Maybe if he is given the cup final, a realistic chance for us to win the trophy. Uh, the problem is the culture. Uh, Pochettino was set up to fail from the onset, I uh, I agree. like uh, He wanted to play Matson. He played Matson throughout the preseason. But... I think he was given instructions, okay, he's a homegrown player, we will sell him eventually. Don't uh, depend too much on Madsen. You have to look at the other uh, have to look at the other players as well. All of that stuff happened, so I think Pochettino had his hands tied behind his back, which brings me to the point, he knew what he was walking into. So that shouldn't be an excuse. All of mm. these conversations should have took place when he was about to join the club. My basic thing with Pochettino is, Whatever happened in the last season, all of us were saying that, okay, it cannot get worse than this. And somehow mm. it is worse than last season. I don't know how we managed to do that. But we we have found ourselves in a worse position than last season. So that is quite alarming. And so most of it goes down to the culture and the ownership, as I've just mentioned. But some of it has to be put on the manager as well. For example, his using of Kaisedu. Uh, Kaisedo keeps losing the ball again and again. It is not down to his individual ability. The manner in which he loses the ball, he finds himself isolated because when we build up, there are four or five people of the opposition who are pressing him and he's out of passing options. Who sets up a team like that? 
is it the players who are wandering off by themselves no it's the manager mm-hmm. who sets up a team so it's not about kaisedo being a bad player or enzo being out of form or mudrik having a bad touch these might be some issues there but it does not mean that you languish at 11th place this team may consist of players who are raw who are naive who are not premier league proven but it is not that bad a squad which cannot finish in the top 5 position of the premier league okay i sympathize with you you did not have your have your full backs for the most part of the season you did not have enkunku a proper striker but that's that has been issue with all the other teams as well okay i think to be honest you've given a pretty reasonable debate on all ends i think at the moment the discourse is like poch out or it's like these players are all rubbish uh when in actual fact i think it's some of what you've said some of what people are saying and it's a, a mix of everything um just very quickly before i let you go what for you is the solution if there is one uh i think we have to change the direction the owners have to change the mentality and the direction in which they want to lead the club uh, we need to get rid of the recruitment staff uh, paul wen stanley and uh, lawrence stewart we need to get in some really good people christopher vivel was there he was not listened to he was against pochettino's uh, uh, recruitment he wanted nagelsman in the job but uh, whatever players he was suggesting uh, to the staff whatever he uh, whatever manager he wanted to be at chelsea he was not listened to and he left so if you ignore these play, uh, these kinds of uh, people who you know have a lot of knowledge more more knowledge than you and who know their stuff and who know how clubs are run rb group is a example of how football clubs should be run so you can make a plan on paper like i want chelsea to be leipzig and strasbourg will be salzburg but the ex- execution has to be there and the execution is not there and you're playing in the premier league you're not in the bundesliga or la liga where the competition is not that high like this season it's crazy we still don't know who is it a three horse title race or a four horse title race or a two horse yeah. title race so in premier league you cannot do that so according to me the solution is you get a proper proper director of football who knows his stuff and you give him the keys and let him get the manager uh, i think we need a manager who understands the club uh, who can instill some kind of culture so we need some kind of leadership we need a manager who is orthodox uh, who knows how to get the best out of players who knows the club and who can make these players play in a certain way in which we can say okay now we have a serious team at our hands and we should be prepared to let go of some players who might not fit in that manager system and even if you've paid 100 million 80 million 70 million if you let go of that player becomes a superstar uh, superstar elsewhere doesn't matter we need a surgery right now okay well uh, i think as i said earlier you've given a pretty reasonable <laughs> debate across the board um as always appreciate your time bro thank you thank so you much for hopping bro. on um i can hear the pain in your voice <laughs> um which by the way for those people listening you have a lot of uk and european listeners who often say um you know like the fan base in asia don't know much about football if you've listened to that <laughs> 10 15 minutes there um and you still think they don't know a lot about football please you need to figure yourself out because there's a lot of knowledge there um also check drogbaba out on his socials he's in amazing content definitely worth checking out um 
But yeah, as I said, apologies for dragging your mood to this level, but <laughs> no, thank no. you for popping on, bro. No problem, bro. It was a th- much needed therapy session for me. I, <laughs> I needed to vent it out somewhere. So had fun, bro. Had fun. Thank you so much. Right. As I said, we're going to get multiple different opinions, multiple different thought processes, uh, and CFC Dubois joins us. The last time you were on, in fact, don't let me take any praise for this. What did you say the last time you were on back in September? So I came on in September and I said that Pochettino needed to leave Chelsea Football Club after six games in the Premier League. Uh, And essentially, the main argument was that based on what we'd seen early doors in Chelsea's preseason, where we had started with a completely different formation, different lineup, one of the things we saw was Nkunku get injured. And after that, he changed the entire setup, which included playing Ben Chilwell left wing. Uh, And then I also alluded to the fact that Look at Chelsea's early fixtures. We had the easiest, statistically, the easiest run-in to the start of the season than any other club in, in the Premier League. And after six games, we had found ourselves mid-table, even 15th, 16th. Uh, essentially, those are the main things I alluded to. But again, I'm sure as we will discuss further, things have just spiralled out of control recently. Yeah, in a way, you're that Breaking Bad meme where he's on the phone and he says, I won. Yeah. Because I think you've <laughs> you've yeah. nailed it from early. Uh, let's... Just get your general thoughts and feelings on where Chelsea as a club are right now. Because if someone follows you on social media, I think you were pretty upset after the Wolves game. (laughs) Extremely, yeah. I mean, at the moment, I think Chelsea are in in a crisis like we have been, in my opinion. Loads of people have alluded to the point that we had a good run, I guess, in the past month and a half, where I think we'd won quite a few on the bounce, um, especially at home. But I think people were... It was sort of paper over the cracks because... We, we didn't really look confident in many of those games. I mean, it included an, an away loss to Middlesbrough, even though we ended up winning the tie. There's always been an element of Chelsea nicking results due to individual brilliance. Look at Cole Palmer, for example, who's been the shining light. But I think at the moment, we're in arguably the most difficult position we've been in, even when Lampard was here last season and he didn't win a game for God knows how long. Because we've got the players, but we've got a manager who's misprofiling certain players. I can point to the fact that Colwell played left-back for so much of the season. Um, not just team selection, look at in-game in-game management. Um, we're talking about recently the Wolves game you mentioned. 4-1 down, 3-1 down. Not only does he persist with Sterling, but he takes him off and pr- brings on youngsters. You've got Alfie Gilchrist coming on. You've got Mudrick coming on for the last 10 minutes in a hostile environment. Fans are booing. Everyone's booing. You know that... The whole place is toxic and then you throw your, your inexperienced players in those situations. So many things combined, I think, has made Chelsea, has put Chelsea in a, in, a, in a really difficult position right now. And I don't really see us coming out of it. All right. I'm not too surprised that you're not very optimistic. Um, in terms of on the pitch, you mentioned players getting changed, etc., etc. Is there an argument here, and this is just my job here to put in an argument potentially for Pochino, that you've been unlucky because you've had so many injuries? I see people that do come up with this argument, especially those who are backing Pochettino. But for me, yes, those injuries might have a, a part to play. That's that's a given because obviously we've had Nkunku out. You have Lavia, who's only played 45 minutes since he signed. You've got these players out, Reese James, another one. But with the squad we do have, and you compare it to the rest of the league, you compare it to their potential and what they can actually deliver, and they have delivered under their previous managers, um, they they were a completely different bunch. I mean, let's not make a mis- any mistake here. We're talking about an Enzo Fernandez that won the young, the best young player at the World Cup. We're talking about a Caicedo that was, you know, wanted by Jurgen Klopp and you know put Chelsea were pushed all the way to 150 million pound signing. We're talking about really good players here. So I think even with what we have, it should not be anywhere near 11th in the table, 
especially seven points behind Manchester United. For me, it it doesn't add up. Yes, we've had injuries, but it's still a top six side. I'm inclined to agree that, yeah, you sign players. Um, I'm also inclined to agree that lots of other teams have injuries. That's a, a debate that people have on social media. Um, generally, what's your thoughts on Pochettino? There's a long, long list of issues I have with, with Pochettino and I have had for a long time. Um, it all began when we when we hired him in the first place. Yes, when he was announced, I, I did want to give him time because it, it wouldn't make sense to go against the manager before he's done anything at the club. But there's certain things that he doesn't have that Chelsea managers always have had that have been successful at Chelsea Football Club. And forget about the tactics for a moment of the in-game management. From a simple mentality perspective, Chelsea Football Club are known to have that winning mentality that you know, we're going to put our players under pressure to win things instantly. And if they don't, then there'll be issues. Pochettino's come in, mentality-wise, one week he's saying that we're a mid-table club. This was before the Middlesbrough tie. He says, you know, we're, we're a mid-table side. Next week, or a couple of weeks later, we go to Anfield the day before. He's saying, look, we're going to come and spoil their party. And then, before the Middlesbrough tie again, he tells us that, oh, Caicedo said, oh, that, oh his Brighton side got hammered by Middlesbrough last season. Just do a quick Google search. Middlesbrough got absolutely battered by Brighton. It's things that he says in the media, which are so conflicting. Sometimes it's he's trying to be overconfident with it. Sometimes it's not. He's not saying the right things, and I think that feeds onto the players. I'm, you know, I'd be very surprised if players don't see these sort of things. For me, it starts there, and then it goes into the tactics, which I've mentioned. We do not have. We do not have a style of play. No one can sit there and tell you in one sentence how Chelsea play. He's misprofiling, misusing players like Enzo Fernandez. Caicedo, for example, in the Wolves game, he finds himself for the first goal on his own, isolated in the central midfield, along around by five, surrounded by five Wolves players. The things that he's doing, not just with a selection in the selection, sort of uh, my, uh, uh, in a, in a like selecting players or with his tactics, but mentality as well. And if you combine them all, it's not surprising. As I said, you were potch out from early. Um... As I've also said, you've been proven correct. As I also agree as well that on the pitch, things haven't been ideal. Um, far from ideal. But before the season, if I offered you this eleven and offered you a manager, realistically, considering where the season is at right now, you said you're seven points behind Manchester United. What's actually the expectation for Chelsea? Because I think part of the issue I, I have as an outsider with Chelsea fans is the expectation is maybe too high at times. Again, it is a valid point to make, especially from the outside. But for me, it's at the start of the season. Again, this alludes to the manager because he comes out, tells that he tells uh, the press that Chelsea are going to try and win the Premier League, try and win the Carabao Cup, try and win all these competitions. So initially, the fans' expectations are going to rise. You don't come out and say that and then don't expect the team to be in a good position to challenge. If the manager comes out and says, look, the squad's not ready, I don't know if he would be you know in a position where he has to backtrack on his words so initially I think top four for me at least was the expectation and that falls to the fact that the I've you know I've seen people say that the board have you know haven't signed the right players we've misspent all that money but the facts are we have spent one billion pounds mm. you spend one billion pounds top four is the absolute minimum even if they are young prospects these aren't just any prospects these are prospects that a lot of clubs were interested in we're talking about Mudrick at the time, Arsenal, we were talking about Caicedo, it was Liverpool after him, Enzo, the whole world was after Enzo. We're, we're sort of glossing over the fact that these players are good and they have shown they're good, but it's just under this manager, they have not been good. And for me, that's why I think top four should be the minimum. At the moment, it's probably not going to be likely, obviously. It's more top seven, top eight at the moment, but 
I just think the players we have are good enough to be in the top seven, top eight category. With that in mind, then, with these players being good enough to finish higher, is there a manager at this moment in time, if I said to you, get rid of Pochettino, which I think is very clear you want to do, um, is there a manager you go, this man can come in and repair this situation in the place it is? Or do you say... um, I can live with Pochettino for a little bit. I can't live much longer with Maurizio Pochettino. (laughs) I genuinely mean that the football we play, and especially against Wolves, was demoralising, honestly. But in terms of there being a manager right now, I do have one suggestion, which is Jose Mourinho. Uh, Again, some fans love it, some fans hate it. For me, right now, I think Mourinho would do a lot more good than bad. And I think right now, what we need is a mentality shift. We need to instill in these young players that winning is the only option that he's going to bring. Regardless of what he's done in the last few years, Mourinho has that ability to to command respect from his players, which I don't think Pochettino has. And I think that's the starting block. I don't personally believe Jose Mourinho is a manager that's going to come into Chelsea if he did come and, and stay here for three, four, five years. No, it's definitely more of a short-term thing. But that mentality is where it all starts for me. And Jose, I think, would definitely not only help the players in that sense, but the fans would be on board with it. I think that's one thing the ownership tried to do by bringing Lampard in last season towards the end to try and get the fans on board. But at the same time, I think they missed a trick because Lampard has shown that tactically he perhaps doesn't match with any of the sides in the Prem where, you know, he'd be good enough to sort of see out the season. Whereas Jose, we know what he can do. He He's, he's a proven winner. And even if his last few years haven't been to the same heights, he's still done it. So Jose for me, I mean, I have put out uh, an outside of the box shout on my Twitter recently, actually, by saying, give it to Thiago Silva as a player manager at the end. Yeah, did did you see that? That's not going to happen, so there's no point elaborating on that. All right. Um, I think from the start of this conversation, we had it in September till this point now, um, February 5th, you've not changed your tone. So kudos to you, to be fair. You said Pochettino out long, long, long ago. Um, What? I never asked you this at the time, but why did you have that feeling then that it wasn't going to work out? Because now in hindsight, yeah, brilliant shout. Um, but now I want to put the two together. Like now, it makes sense. Why was why was it making sense to you back then? And uh, on a real, obviously, a lot of people see what I put out on social media. A lot of the time, it's it's lighthearted. It's not as serious. So I think a lot uh, back then, a lot of people were thinking I was just you know trolling or like not being serious and just uh, putting negativity out there for the sake of it. But for me, back then, I was dead serious because it wasn't just those little things I mentioned with Chilwell playing left wing when he didn't have to a case of switching formations, tactics over one player being injured, the whole season had sort of changed. But it was deeper than that because we were struggling to break down low blocks, which was a very big thing. And for me, it sort of it sort of set alarm bells ringing because his time at Spurs when it came to an end and his time at PSG, you go back to that, those times, those fans were saying the exact same things that we were starting to say so early on into the season. So in my head, it was like, he hasn't changed. He has changed from his previous, you know, spells at other clubs. And if you look back again towards the end of his his reigns at both clubs, it, I think the fans did have reason to be sort of upset with him. And I didn't see any change from then. And as the season went on, I guess we went through some purple patches this season. But again, I didn't change my tune because what I saw on the pitch was not a fluid football side, a football side that was progressing. And I'm not sure if you've seen this stat, but at the exact point last year, uh, after 23 games, Chelsea were on the same number of points and now we're 11th as opposed to 10th. So where's the progress? In my mind, there's wow. no progress. Wow, I have no idea about that. Um, all right. Uh, thank you very much, 
my friend, as always, for hopping on. Uh, seeing as you're the last Chelsea fan on this episode, uh, any last words before we we call it quits? Any last words? Pochettino out. Fittingly. <laughs> I think that sums up the uh, crisis intervention uh, for Chelsea Football Club. If there's any suggestions of other clubs that you want us to do a crisis intervention of, then let us know. If you enjoyed this episode, drop a like uh, and check all the guys out as well. Um, and of course, follow No Ratings Pod across all platforms. And we'll see you next time. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.